0: Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. Do you know about Podcorn? No. Tell me about it. I was listening to another podcast and I heard them talk about this service called Podcorn and it's pretty terrific. Podcorn is an online marketplace that connects podcasters and sponsors. It's so crazy easy to use and it gives podcasters the ability to find sponsors that really match their show. And the best part about it is There's no middleman. You simply scroll through the list of sponsors that you're looking to tell all the pod people about their products and services. And if you find one that's right for your audience, you just send them a message. Cool. It is cool. It's great for sponsors too, because then they can choose what kind of show they want their ad played on. You both set your own rates. And as podcasters, you never have to give up the rights to your podcast. Well, I'm happy that they're this week's sponsor then. Me too. The mission of Podcorn is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control over how they monetize. Click the link in our episode descriptions or in our show notes in the Facebook group to start browsing sponsorship opportunities today.
1: I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to...
0: Snacks with Stein. Let's do it! Hello, and welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy, and Danielle is in California. Hello. And we are back for another episode, and it's a Fear Street episode this week, and we are going to do that third set in the Haunted House books that we've been doing, and that's just the third horror for the 99 Fear Street set. So we're going to wrap things up today. And before we do that, real quick, we do have a new patron. Um, Our new patron wants to be identified as Patty F. So Patty F., we have a Patreon toast for you. If everyone will kindly lift their glasses. We're so glad to have you on Team Snacks. Please stand by for your confirmation fax. Just kidding. The fax machine is down and it's the only one in town. So we'll just send you a sculpture in wax.
1: Cheers. Thank you, Patty. Thank you,
0: Patty. Patty, watch your mailbox. We're gonna send you a little treat. All right, Danielle, what are you? What are you gonna be snacking on tonight? Where we listen to the the house that eats everybody.
1: <laughs> well, I'm eating my classic, which I've eaten before, chocolate covered raisins, which I know caused a very large debate about how terrible raisins are, but. Too bad. So you know sad. what? It's
0: okay. This is a learning opportunity. We are going to set an example. We're going to show that you don't have to agree to be friends. Official <laughs> snacks with Stein stance. If you don't agree with somebody, it's cool. You can still be cool together. It's going to be all right.
1: Still be friends, even if they're wrong and don't like raisins.
0: <laughs> Just know that they're wrong and move on. That's all. Okay, cool. Well you have those disgusting raisins and I am I am
1: going well at least there's chocolate. <clears throat> there's chocolate on them. It's like chocolate with like a little bit of raisin. <laughs> it's just that's yeah, what it is. Yeah,
0: but there's a number of things that I would also not enjoy that could be covered in chocolate. Bugs. They would still be those things. I've never had chocolate covered bugs.
1: I won't do it. I
0: might okay. try it. I'm gonna give it a shot. But uh would you eat a chocolate
1: bug over a chocolate raisin?
0: <laughs> uh which bug is it? Okay. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Wow. wow.
0: Maybe. The cricket would at least be crunchy.
1: You <laughs> Okay
0: we'll get to the book alright so why I chose the book I chose it obviously because it is the third book the last in the set and I said I would do all of them together and this might be the last time that I do that because while I do enjoy a long story arc I also kind of miss the freedom of like being able to change the mood from one book to the next we kind of get locked in so I don't know if I'll do this again but it was kind of fun to do them all together it was quite a commitment. you know, normally we can get a pretty good mix of like, it'll be a murder mystery on one and then the next one, it'll be like something paranormal or like maybe both. So yeah, I'm gonna be excited to get back to a good old-fashioned murder mystery. We'll see what happens. At so the front of the cover, we have the view of the house, again, the house on ninety nine Fear Street. But this time it looks much nicer. Like it's gotten the paint job, it's got some like white trim. It looks very fancy there is a transparent sort of red riding hood thing that is, I guess it's supposed to be Callie. We can assume this is ghost bitch Callie. And for some reason she's wearing a red cloak, which never happens ever anywhere, but okay. Yeah, no, no red cloaks here. Um, Also real quick, if you haven't listened to our episodes on book one of two, one and two of this set, uh, you might want to do that now. They're all interconnected. And the main character from the first book is back in this one go back and listen to those ones first or it's probably not going to make a ton of sense copy back on this one is archway paperbacks in 1994 and my book has the name j page written on the inside front cover so shout out to j page wherever you are um Mm -hmm. the tagline on the back reads lights camera murder I put a poll up today to see if we were gonna do Haunted House Bingo again. I haven't checked it. So oh. if you enjoy Haunted House Bingo, go ahead and check the Facebook page and see if we've put up bingo cards. We may or may not do it, but go give it a shot. The
1: bingo's been fun. I like the bingo.
0: It is. We had a lot of people play the first book and one person play the second book. So I was like, oh. mm, maybe this is like a thing that we think is fun. That we're like, hey guys, <laughs> this is fun, right? We're cool, yeah. right? And everybody's like, We got
1: yeah. a so far.
0: It has okay. It well, I guess we better do bingo.
1: I hope they really mean it, though.
0: So say all those people better get bingo cards then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be looking. It says Eleven. So.
0: Hmm. Well,
1: like Erica one of them, didn't she play?
0: <laughs> Erica totally played, but she was probably stepping back for book two to like give somebody
1: else a shot. My mom did the same thing. She's like, "Oh, I'm not going to play, so someone else can win." And I was like, well, if you want to play, just play. But she did the same thing. Well, so. this
0: is the final round, people. There's no stepping back. This this is Thunderdome, okay? <laughs> F- Thunderdome bingo. <laughs> We're all going to have Tina Turner wigs and fantastic shoulders. Oh, it's amazing. Okay. <clears throat> so let's go. We start this book from Cody's perspective. Do you remember Cody? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's the other twin. She's back at the house at 99 Fear Street for the first time in two years. Everything is just how she remembers it. And she's having a hard time kind of making it up the driveway. She's remembering all the awful things that happened to her and her family the last time she was there. As she's looking up at the house, the front door opens and Callie steps out. Wait, not Callie. Persia. An actress. An actress on the set of the movie that they are filming. They're pulling a scream.
1: Exactly. She asks Cody if she
0: knows where Bo is, and Cody looks around the lawn, and all the crewmen are setting up and stretching out cables. She's looking for Bo. She says she's not sure where Bo is, and then Persia retreats to her trailer one of many trailers parked along the curb
1: on Fear Street. I love it. They're pulling a screen. It's amazing.
0: Oh, it's, okay, thousand times. You can, you can debate whether this book was better than the first book, but it's far and away better than the second book.
1: Good. The second one was a bit of a letdown.
0: Kind of a I stinker. Sort of like, That's okay. Persia was a child TV star, and now she's trying her hand at acting in movies. She's also kind of a bitch, okay? She and Cody are not friends, but they would be playing sisters in the movie version of 99 Fear Street, based on Cody's real life experience. And Cody would be playing Callie. Persia would be playing Cody. That's
1: confusing.
0: It's very confusing, but Cody's going to be playing her sister's role because the first book, Callie was the star. So Cody's the star in this movie. The bow that Persia was looking for is the director and Persia only speaks to the director because she's a star. She absolutely hates the fact that she has to work with Cody, who is an amateur,
1: but Cody is just excited to be in a movie. Yeah, I'm kind of confused. Like, she's not an actress. How did she get this role? Just because she's in it? like. So so it goes into explaining that a little bit. She's excited to be in a movie, but she's also back
0: at the house because she's made this promise. If you'll remember, at the end of the first book, she, she looked up and she promised Callie that she'd come back for her. So it kind of accomplishes two two goals, but they go into kind of how she got from there to here. Meanwhile, in the attic of 99 Fear Street, Bo, who is the director, remember, is talking to Sam, who is an associate producer. We learn that the last two films that these guys made together were like total shit, complete failures, and they view this film as kind of like their last shot. They can't make this film work, they are pretty much done. Bo says that the studio is punishing him for the last two flops by making him film in this rundown old house and making him use Cody Frazier as the lead instead of, quote, a real actress. Harsh. But Sam kind of counters with the fact that, you know, hey, this is is great publicity. This is why we did this. We're shooting in this crappy old house, but it'll give it a real, like, gritty look. We've got the girl who was part of the tragedy playing in the movie. Like, this is going to get us a lot of press. Beau is super high-strung about everything. He just keeps saying, you know, this is my last chance this has to work this has to be a great movie so they decide to go check out the basement they pass dozens of crew members setting up lights getting things just the right way and then they go to the basement and they encounter
1: killer rats i was gonna say how are they in the basement without the rats like how are they in there
0: They aren't. They were down there for all of five minutes before killer rats start to morph out of the shadows. And again, they're chased from the basement and up onto the lawn. And this is where they run into Cody, who tells Bo that Persia is looking for him. Enter our love interest. Oh. His name is Rob. (laughs) Rob is an actor. He's tall blue-eyed, lean-muscled, and he'll be playing the role of Anthony. Rob is kind of flirty and familiar with Cody, and uh, they grab a cup of coffee from the catering trailer, and then they go sit down on the lawn to talk about how nervous they are. You know, this this is Rob's first movie, too. He's done some commercial work, but he's never done a movie. Cody complains Persia's being a bitch and ordering her around, and Rob's like, well, you know, Persia's jealous of you. Persia wanted your part. She wanted to play Callie, not Cody. It's the lead. Honestly, though, Cody's kind of having a rough time. She knew it was gonna be hard to come back and face everything, but she she had to take this role. After leaving the house on Fear Street, they had nothing. Her dad never regained his sight, Her mom just kind of shut down emotionally. Also, she had made that promise. She knows that Callie was watching them from the window the day she left and she is gonna find her. She knows that Callie is here and she's not gonna be able to move on with her life until she does. She says bye to Hot Rob and goes to find her script. Tomorrow's the first day of shooting and she wants to go over her lines. She looks up at the house and she sees what looks like Callie in an upstairs window looking down on her. So she runs to the front door and of course we all know that it is Goats' bitch Callie and that she's of course pissed. It's not all about Callie right now and that's not cool. She knows Cody didn't come back for her. She only came back to be a star. She only came back now because she'll get to do the only thing she ever wanted, which was to be. Callie. She was always so jealous of Callie and Callie had everything. So Callie's getting more and more pissed so as Cody approaches the front door, Callie mentally makes the door stick so that Cody can't open it. This is where we learn that the house obeys Callie completely. Callie can manifest anything she wants. Cody starts pushing at the door. She's desperate to get to her sister. She really thinks it was her. And she starts, like, throwing herself at the door, like, literally putting her shoulder into it.
1: A crazy person.
0: Right. And on the outswing <laughs> of one of these, like, shoulder pushes into the door, Callie sends a dozen metal spikes through the door. And Cody stops about a centimeter away from them. Wow. Cody screams. Bo, the director, comes over to find out what's happening. He sees the spikes that Cody was almost killed. And he gets really pissed. He's like, you know, I need to have a talk about safety with McCarthy. McCarthy is the special effects guy. So he calls him over. This McCarthy dude is your basic, like, trope. Everybody in this one is a trope. Like, the director wears those, like, tinted sunglasses the effects guy, like, chews an unlit cigar and he's wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. You know, like, everybody in this movie <laughs> is exactly what you would think as a kid happens in Hollywood on movie sets, right? So his typical effects guy, he comes over and Bo's like, I need a list of all the effects that are already in place. Like, Cody almost got really hurt. Like, this is this is not safe. We can't do this. And McCarthy's like, guy, we we weren't doing spikes it's not on my list. And Bo says, well, it must be because it's here, like, obviously. And he said, you know, I'll, I'll try and find you a copy of this list. But while we're looking for that, you know, McCarthy wants to show Bo the effect they have set up for the garbage disposal scene, which they are going to be shooting the following day. So they all go in to see What's what? Right about then, Rob trots up and he's like, oh, hey, Rob, you know, we want you to come check this out, too, because this is what your character is going to be doing. So they all go into the kitchen. And at first, Cody's a little worried about being in the kitchen, worried about the memories that might come up. But these set designers have completely redone the kitchen. There's new appliances. There's new countertops. Like, everything looks new. It doesn't look anything like it did when Cody lived there. So McCarthy ushers them all over, and he's like, okay, so this this is the sink, and the, what we have rigged up is that you're going to put your hand way down into the sink, and when you get your hand in the sink, your hand is going to go into this glove that we've got positioned in there, and you're going to put your hand in the glove, and then when you pull your hand out, it's going to be this, like, mangled, bloody stump that we've got fashioned onto the outside of this glove, right? Cool effect, Old school.
1: Cool.
0: So he's like, you know, we just want you to try it out a couple of times. Make sure that the the, the motion looks natural. Rob's like, yeah, I got a bad feeling. I don't really <laughs> want to do this. And the director's like, yeah, it's, I know it's kind of weird. He's like, the disposal's like not even connected. It's fine. Like, don't, you know, don't worry about it. This, you know, this is, this is not a big deal. And he's like, mm. so he kind of does that thing where he, uh, and then backs up. No, I can't do it. Can't do it. And he kind of goes for it again. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. So, you know, the Bex guy starts laughing. He's like, okay, look, I'm going to show you there's nothing to be afraid of. And he puts his hand way down in the disposal. And he starts talking to Rob about, like, how to feel around for the plug. And just then, something pushes Cody from behind. And she falls forward onto the sink and knocks the disposal into the on position. Oh, no. McCarthy starts to scream. They get the disposal off, and he pulls out his very real bloody stump. Ew. There's blood fucking everywhere, obviously. (laughs) And again, fuck disposals, okay? This whole scene made me very uncomfortable. I... (sighs) I know that we all know how I feel about disposals. But, like, even when they are unplugged, broken down, disassembled, I don't care. Stop putting hands down there. If something falls in, use other things that are not hands to get them out. Okay? It's just never a good idea. It's never worked out for anyone. I Googled it. And Google says that 1,000 people are injured each year from garbage disposals. 1,000? Really?
1: That's a lot. 1,000. It must be true. I read it on the internet. Yeah, they use the garbage disposal thing In a lot of movies now. I mean, I know it's an old trick But, like, I've noticed it more and more In movies now, like, in horror movies Like, oh, they got stuck at the garbage disposal And, like, hair gets stuck And then their head gets pulled in And it's like, it's just I never want a garbage disposal <laughs> I'm like, nope Yeah So later, in the trailer
0: that Bo uses as an office He's sitting with Cody and Rob in Persia he says McCarthy is still in the hospital and that he will lose all the fingers on that hand. He says that he came across a lot of strange stories about this fear street when he was researching the movie, but he's not sure if he believes that. And then he all but accuses Cody of turning the disposal on on purpose in this super Hollywood like passive aggressive way. He's basically said that, like, I don't know what your problem is, but you need to get your shit together or I'll replace you. But again, in a very, like, Hollywood, passive-aggressive kind of way. Persia makes some shitty comments about how the only reason Cody was there was for the publicity. And she goes on to say that she hates the wig she has to play, has to wear to play Cody. It's just so tacky. She really, you know, loves seeing Rob and all those dog food commercials. So this little fight breaks out. We don't know who pushed who first, but like tiny little cat fight breaks out. Bo starts to break it up when he sees someone walk by the trailer window outside. He says, oh, it's that real estate guy. I need to talk to him. He's the guy who's leasing us the house. Cody is distracted by this on her way out of the trailer, and she's trying to figure out, is that the same creepy guy who sold her dad the house two years ago? Persia steps in her path and she's pulling that whole thing where she's like, hey, let's be friends. I know I've got like a weird sense of humor. Not everybody (laughs) gets it. But, you know, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, if you're feeling like all of this is too much for you, it would be okay for you to just quit.
1: I bet it would.
0: And this flips cody's switch like cody has grown some balls apparently since the first butt. because the first thing she does is whip around and put her finger in her face and be like i'm not going anywhere you need to figure it out and deal with it because i am not quitting and again we're not sure who pushed who first but now we have a proper cat fight breaking out they are rolling around on the front lawn of this movie set basically like slap fighting Bo appears out of nowhere, he breaks up the fight, and he's like, what the hell are you doing? We just talked about this. (laughs) Persia's like, I was just getting into character. You know, our, our characters are competitive sisters who don't really get along. Cody, you didn't really think I was angry, did you? I was acting? Total bitch. Completely gaslights Cody. Cody's like, yeah, whatever. I call BS. I know you're trying to fight with me yeah Bo breaks it up he's like "All right, all of you go back to the hotel I need everybody to rest because tomorrow we start shooting he reminds Cody to hold on to that feeling of anger and to (laughs) use it in her acting which if you've ever taken an acting class that's exactly what they fucking say Rob chops over to see if you know she wants a ride back over to the hotel and Cody's like no I'm gonna try to hang out in my trailer I'm gonna cool down a little bit Rob is doing the dreamy-eyed stare thing. And Cody is wondering if he's really interested in her. Because, you know, he grew up in L.A. Around all the beautiful people. So she's a little suspect of him. But then he shocks her by kissing her. Like, yeah, kind of out of nowhere. But it was kind of a hot kiss. Like... And it takes her a second to figure out what's going on, but then she's like, okay, game on. And she starts, like, kissing him back. And then randomly in the middle of all this, he breaks the kiss and starts heading to the car. And then he kind of calls over his shoulder at her, you know, he'll be up late if she wants to call him. Oh.
1: <laughs> Fucking <get>
0: actors. <laughs> in the last hour, we've had a tragedy, a cat fight, and a random kiss. And they're just, like, feeling all the feelings.
1: All the feelings.
0: And that's kind of what Cody chalks it up to. You know, she realizes he's an actor. He's getting into character. She's not really buying that he's into her. So she heads back to her trailer. She lays down on the couch. She just wants to close her eyes, try to calm down, because damn that's a lot that's a lot of shit that just happened yeah (laughs) and she drifts off to sleep she's awoken a few hours later by a knock on the door specifically three taps on the door and her heart kind of drops then the knocking comes again three soft taps She jumps up for the door and she opens it. And of course, there's no one there. But it's dark out now. How long had she been sleeping? She looks at the front of the house and there's a night security guard walking the perimeter with a flashlight. And she notices that someone has left the light on in the kitchen. She starts to move toward the house, thinking about her time there, about her sister, about her brother. And the effects guy who lost all the fingers on that one hand She gets to the kitchen door, and she gasps. There's a body bending over the sink. Danielle?
1: Who's in the kitchen? Uh, He's probably nobody. It's probably like a person fixing the garbage disposal, like a plumber. Who fixes the garbage disposal?
0: That's a very good guess,
1: because they are not dead. But it is someone we know. Because you said it was a body, so doesn't doesn't apply, doesn't automatically mean they're dead. So what you're
0: saying is I need to be sneakier. Got it. Um, no, it is someone we know. Okay. It's Mrs. Nordstrom.
1: Oh, no. Cleaning up the blood in the sink. These fools again.
0: Mrs. Nordstrom recognizes Cody. She comes over and gives her a hug, which is weird, because I never remember them talking. But okay. But here we actually do get some dialogue from Mrs. Nordstrom. Is the rat guy? I don't know. Look over there. Mrs. Nordstrom asks Cody how her family's doing and says that it was very sad what had happened to them when they lived there. She goes on to say that the family that moved in right after her had a sad time too. And that they had a son who died in the house. Mrs. Nordstrom says that she was just there cleaning up all the blood and she gets this kind of sad far away look and she says something like she always cleans up the blood. Jeez. Cody leaves her and says bye. Okay, lady. Thanks for the awkward hug and backstory. And then she wanders around the house trying to feel Callie's presence because if you'll remember correctly, Cody's a spooky bitch. Right. Right. So she's feeling for Callie's presence. She's calling Kelly's name. And instead she runs into the night security guard who says she needs to tell him why she's there because, you know, he's armed. He could have shot her Yeah, thinking she was an intruder. So she apologizes and explains who she is and signs an autograph for him. And then there's a fade out. We open on the next day where filming is about to begin. Cody and Rob are out of makeup and they're waiting for instructions. Rob explains that today they are going to be doing reaction shots. They're going to be doing that thing in horror movies where someone starts screaming and the camera zooms in from above them and then ends right in their face. It's cheesy, right? But that's what they're going to do, right? So the camera is set up on this long pole. And the idea is that the camera slides down the pole towards the actor on the ground. And it stops right on a close-up of their face. Bo wants to try it with Persia first. But of course, she's still in makeup. She's unhappy with how they have done her hair or some bullshit like that.
1: Mm.
0: But Bo is anxious to get started, so he calls the stand-in over. She's the same height and build as Persia he tells her where to stand and to just look up at the camera and scream. The camera will come down the pole and stop right before it gets to her face, but just keep screaming until she yells, cut. So the stand-in takes her mark. She starts to scream and the camera starts to descend. It picks up speed and it never slows. The camera flies past the stop point and into the stand-in's face with a loud crack. Ew. Blood starts to flow from the now motionless body and it looks like the camera lens has been buried deep into her face. Ew. I thought that was a good kill. I was excited about that. But now there's total chaos. Someone's yelling to call an ambulance. No one can tell if the girl is alive or not. Uh, The camera guy says that the bolts have been loosened on the catch. And that's when the security guard steps over to tell Beau that he found Cody on the set last night after everyone had left. Beau comes over to ask Cody if she knew Persia was going to go first this morning. And Cody freaks out, saying she'd never do anything like that. How could Beau believe she could? Bo apologizes, he says, listen, I know you had a fight with her, it just seemed, you know, and Cody stalks off, fuck you, fuck everybody here, I wouldn't do that.
1: That's a big big accusation to make.
0: Bo jumps straight to it, in front of everybody. Like, the girl is still
1: hanging there. (laughs) It was you! Um... (laughs) I mean, I would be mad if I was there. i like, what do you mean? Just because I was walking around here? That's I'm... pretty much
0: what she does. Like, she throws up her middle fingers and is like, fuck you guys, I'm out. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not even going to entertain this. I wouldn't either. So Cody goes into the house through the back door, which is the kitchen. She's trying to get her shit together, right? The girl with the camera to the face is bad enough, but now everybody thinks that she did it on purpose and that she did it to get back at Persia. Cody notices there's a light on in the refrigerator in the kitchen, which is weird because all the appliances are props and should not have lights on in them. She moves closer to the refrigerator and opens the door and finds her own severed head. She starts screaming like a maniac and Bo and the whole crew come running. Where they treat her like a crazy person and explain that it's just a prop for the end of the movie. They put put it in the fridge to harden. Bo's like, you need to go back to your trailer, get some rest, get back on your game. I need this movie to work. I can't have you falling apart. Like, just go get some rest. It's been it's been upsetting for everyone this morning. And a quick aside here. Um, this is something that our new patron Patty brought up to me in a message. She brought this to my attention. So you know how we have isolated that Stein has an obsession with purple lipstick? Right. Patty suggests that he also has an obsession with Formica. With Formica? Formica. She said anytime he describes kitchen counters or tape, like she said Formica comes up again and again. And right after she suggested this, we see it here in this book. Because huh. she goes back to her table, she gets like a muffin from the catering cart, mm-hmm. and she's like, I'm going to go eat this muffin and calm down, and she sits down at her Formica table huh. in her trailer. So it's something that we're going to be looking for, Patty. We'll, we'll bring it up when we see it.
1: Interesting.
0: It is interesting. So she's trying to eat this muffin, she's not having much luck because she's basically sitting in her trailer, and she's thinking about quitting. Like coming back here was a mistake. This was a bad choice. She might she might need to just walk out. And that's when she hears it. Three light taps on the door of her trailer. She waits for the next set and on the first rotation she jerks open the door and it's Rob. Rob has come to see how she's doing. Cody full on attacks him. Like, she sexually harasses him in probably the worst way. Like, she throws her arms around him and she quite literally says, hold me. Oh, no. I'm not kidding. That's a direct quote. I need you to hold me. Oh, God. Rob's on board. They start making out. Pretty hardcore. He's fine with it. <laughs> and Persia opens the trailer She's like, I guess you guys didn't hear me knocking. Uh, just wanted to let you guys know that we are done for today. The stand-in girl died. And there's police everywhere, and they're investigating. So we are done filming for today and possibly tomorrow. Bye! The next day, Cody goes to a meeting with the cast and crew the beau has called in a house living room. He starts to talk about the police doing their investigation and how they wouldn't be able to start shooting until the following day. When a man comes in with a dark mustache, overalls, and a red toolbox. Announcing that he's going to go downstairs to deal with the rats. That's right. Mr. Hankers is back. And Bo explains to the crew that he's the man that they hired to exterminate the rats, how they shouldn't be a problem after today. I mean, I know this is before Yelp, but can you imagine Mr. Hanker's Yelp
1: reviews? He needs some. He needs references because he's terrible.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's ever exterminated a single rat. Like, not once is there, in all three of these books, has he ever come out of the basement with a rat that was either dead or in a trap. I'm just saying. Never. Beau comes over to see how Cody's doing, and he says he could tell she wasn't really paying attention during their meeting and that she's really upset. She's like, she's okay as far as she could tell, but she just, she wished they could get to work so that she could think about something else. Beau suggests that she and Rob go over lines for the scene that he wants to shoot tomorrow. They're shooting the green goo scene in the attic. Cody explains that the green goo came out of the faucet in the bathroom, and it wasn't Callie and Anthony. It was Callie and Cody. Bo says he understands that, but it would be so much more dramatic to do it in the attic. Also, it's a lot easier to shoot up there, much more space. Mm -hmm. So he wants to get them together to kind of block out the scene um, because he's got some ideas for some interesting camera angles. But Persia steps in his way and says that she needs some attention from him because, after all, it was her stand-in that was killed. She needs to be comforted. And Beau's like, sure. Come over here. Let's talk about how you're doing. Um, And this is when Rob announces that he has rented a Mustang convertible for the day and that he and Cody... Should just go on a drive. And they do. They go on this like movie montage, teen scene, love drive with the top down. All afternoon, they score dinner at some diner. It starts to rain and he has to put the top up, which apparently is very sexy because the second he gets back in the car, they start sucking face. (laughs) He's basically like, you want to go to my room and rehearse? And she's like, okay, let me get my script. And he's like, no, you don't need your script. And she's like, no, no,
1: let's go get my script. (laughs) He's like, okay. (laughs) They're super awkward or they're making me awkward.
0: It is very awkward. There's not enough buildup or any kind of dialogue between these two. It's mostly just that he's hot and she's hot and they make out a lot. Yeah. Which is cool, I guess. I guess. (laughs) We're not very invested in their love story, but I don't think that we're supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be a little suspicious of Rob. Yeah. Uh, So he drops her at her trailer to get her script because she actually wants to rehearse, much to his dismay. Um, It's raining buckets outside, but when she steps back out of her trailer, he's gone. He's ditched her. He's driven off and left her. And she's looking around like, what the hell, man? And then she hears Callie's voice on the wind. Callie's voice calling her toward the house. Hang on. Yes! What's up? Mommy, it's emergency. I think there's an animal in our walls. Where? I just saw a hole get dug out of up there, and I see something moving in that hole. What? Um. <sighs> Daniel, I'll be right back.
1: Mice Chronicles. <laughs>
0: the mice chronicles so we're back hello (laughs) Hello. um i'm having mice adventures we had to stop recording and um i had to deal with some things and now we're back recording on a different night so if it's a little disjointed that's why um mice oh mice so (laughs) i live in the middle of the forest I live with animals. They're constantly trying to get in my house and kill my chickens. <laughs> that's just kind of how it is. Like, that's the price you pay to not have neighbors. Um. So, yeah. It is what it is. Like, they come in. We drive them out. You know, we try to kill them a number of ways. <laughs> also, and I don't know if this is some kind of, like, country voodoo. So, like, I called I called my dad, because that's what you do. And my dad's got a number of rental properties. So, he's gotten like a number of pests out of places before and he said you know he he gave me advice on a few different traps and stuff like that that he liked but the thing that he said that surprised me was
1: dryer sheets have you ever heard of that no when you told me that I was like okay I believe you (laughs) I've never heard that I mean it's poison I I would think i i don't know if it is the
0: smell i don't know Mm -hmm. if it is like like i have no idea we have a plan of attack we've gathered our supplies i bought a box of 400 dryer sheets (laughs) and at my dad's advice i'm going to go up into the attic which is a scary scary place and walk on the beams up there and drop a dryer sheet about every five feet
1: but and since I am that told night... that that will make my house smell amazing and make the mice Yeah. Story. But since that night, has it come back? Like, has it come through the hole?
0: Okay, so it was, poor Roman. He's He's been a really good sport about it. Like, it quite literally, you could hear it scratching. And then it was eating a hole, like, out of the ceiling in the corner where the ceiling meets the wall, very close to his bed. Yeah. Uh... So he slept on the couch that night, obviously. Yeah. Um, but dad, you know, plugged up the hole with this like mm-hmm. special stuff. But then the next night he came back and started eating the foam. Oh. But it's special foam that's like made for that. So it like makes them sick or it makes them die or something if they come back or and maybe eat it, it again. Maybe
1: they
0: die. I don't know because last night the little fucker was scratching on the inside of the wall next to my bed. Oh. specifically on my side of my bed right at the baseboards mm. so man I yeah. was shoving dryer sheets all- <laughs> so I'm like I am like a dryer sheet ninja now like <laughs> anytime I hear the slightest little scratch I'm like where's the dryer sheets it's my Windex
1: <laughs> well let's hope it stays away for now while we record <laughs>
0: Yes, let's get through the recording and yes, little, little combat, but like I seriously on Wednesday, I'm going to like put on my big girl panties and go up into the attic and just start <laughs> tossing dryer sheets <laughs> like, like a maniac. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, we'll see what happens. So, but do you remember where we were at? Uh, oh, okay, let's recap really quick. Um, so kind doing scream thing, like there's a movie, yeah. we're making a movie, you know, Cody's being kind of stupid about it, mm-hmm. some stuff has happened.
1: Mm-hmm. There's been some deaths.
0: There's been some deaths, and there's been some suspicion pointed at Cody because she keeps creeping around at night <laughs> on the set when no one's there, right? Right. And just before I was attacked by a mouse, or Roman was attacked <laughs> by a mouse, um, Poor Roman. like... <laughs> Cody was following the sound of Callie's voice
1: oh, and she yeah, was following yeah,
0: yeah. it into the house and calling it down the basement it was a very wily coyote right like she's like oh yeah I want to see you too just a little farther yeah like just okay. a little This okay and she looks around the basement she sees that there are these wooden crates everywhere and they're oh, all marked yeah. danger the like the they're the stamped crates. danger right and then she runs into the director Bo Hmm. And Bo's like, hey, what are you doing down here? And she's like, well, what are you doing down here? And he said, well, you know, I'm the director. It's my job. (laughs) Like, I can be here after hours. That's kind of what I do. But you, however, are under a little bit of suspicion. Why do you keep coming back here at night? Right. Mm -hmm. For what purpose? And she's like, well, I can't tell you that. So she can't really say why she's down there because that sounds crazy. Okay? Mm -hmm. And... She looks around and she's like, "Why are these crates filled with dynamite?"
1: Okay, it's coming back. And
0: Bo's like, me. "It's it's for the big finish. We're gonna blow up the house. We're gonna blow the house up at the end of the movie. That's why I didn't distribute the last ten pages of script. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's a lease, but it's fine. Whatever. Uh, and that's when the rats come out, and they <laughs> retreat to the hotel for the night, and we get a nice little fade out." Okay, are we all caught Uh, up? So we get a fade out. So when we open back up on the scene, it's the next day of shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's in the attic, and they're ready to shoot the green goo scene. Mm. The effects guys have rigged up like a special floor, and I'll try to explain how it works. So they've rigged up a pump that when it turns on, it will pump gallons of this green goo through like tubes and in through holes in the floor so there's like channels in the floor and so like green goo is going to start to kind of come up from the bottom right okay so the effects guy whose name is ernie explains that the goo will come out kind of lumpy sort of the consistency of oatmeal and it should be a little bit warm but it should have like no odor at all that sounds horrid Bo wants them to understand how everything works because they really are are going to try and get this done in one take. If they have to do it again, it's going to take hours to clean everything up and reset it. Mm-hmm. So the goo's going to come out of the floor. It'll reach about to their ankles before he wants them to notice because they don't want to be able to see it coming up out of the floor. Mm. Um. Bo explains that in the scene, Callie and Anthony have sneaked up to the attic to make out. Okay, they're kissing passionately and they don't notice that the room is filling with goo. Bo wants a lot of screaming and like disgust on their face. He's like, you know, really thrash around in it, get it on each other. It's like a mud wrestling type scenario, I guess. And make it look like you're really (laughs) struggling. Okay, and the crew is like, "Hey, by the way, um, we got to take a fifteen-minute break because there's all kinds of uh, rules about like, you know, unions and crews and stuff, whatever. So it's they have to take this fifteen-minute break. They have to take it right now. So the crew heads down to grab a snack, and Cody and Rob stay behind to rehearse." <laughs> And they start making out, but like, you know, for real, with tongues and stuff. And then they hear a loud click and a hum. It was the goo machine. It had been somehow turned on, and now it was pumping gallons of green goo into the floor of the attic. And Cody starts to panic. She's moving towards the machine. She knows this is going to, like, mess up the entire scene. It's going to take hours to reset. She's going to try to turn it off. But the green goo kind of splashes on her sneaker, and she realizes, like, this shit is, like, hot. It is burning, boiling hot. It's not a little warm like it's supposed to be. Also, it smells like vomit. Oh, no. Like the worst sour milk vomit you can imagine. Like King Jelly Jam. King Jelly Jam level gross. <laughs> so disgusted and burning, she makes her way over to the machine and she's trying to pull the lever on the switch to turn the machine off. But the switch is stuck. And of course, it won't move. Rob says that the goo is burning him, and he tries to make his way and he tries to make his way over to help to move the switch. And turn off the pumps but Rob trips and falls face forward and he he stops himself with his hands his hands kind of shoot out in front of him and he's kind of on all fours but he's on all fours in this like super hot vomit and it's holding him there it's like it's sucking him down under he cannot move and he's like, ah, he thinks he's going to throw up. Like, he's going to throw up any second because he's, like, he's over it now. His face is over it. It can't handle the smell. And they're just, like, screaming at each other to do something. And neither one of them can move.
1: <laughs> okay. Cody fights
0: her way over to the door. She tries to yell for crew members, but the door, of course, is locked. And now they're standing in about a foot of this burning hot green vomit and even though ernie said there was only enough goo in the machine to come to about their knees the goo is now rising past their knees to their thighs and it's really starting to burn where was everyone couldn't they hear the pumps
1: or the The screaming screaming? i mean it was
0: just downstairs
1: yeah it's kind of weird
0: and my other question is, are they filling the whole attic? Because I feel like on set it would be like um, some kind of tank or like an area, like they'd built a box. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, wouldn't they have it yeah. in a way?
1: Yeah, it seems really... I mean, to really... fill a whole attic? Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe I missed that. If I missed that in the book, somebody explain it to me because I don't get it. Um, doo ba doo. So the goo keeps getting deeper and deeper and there doesn't seem to be any way out of this attic. And they they're starting to really worry that they're gonna drown in
1: mm-hmm. this
0: crap. And so Cody gets an idea and she starts to make her way towards the attic window because she suddenly remembers that this window leads out onto a roof so they could possibly escape there. So she starts pushing her way over there, but the whole time it's like this goo is pushing back at them. And by the way, we are now waist deep. So by the time they finally make their way over to the window, the goo is all the way up to their chest. And Rob is starting to lose it. He's feeling tired. He says he doesn't think he can make it. Cody makes it to the window first and she she tries to push it up but of course it's stuck, it won't budge it's completely locked she grabs a nearby light pole and breaks the window she climbs out onto the roof and starts to celebrate when she realizes Rob is not behind her she looks back into the attic and sees him floating face down in the goo so she reaches back into the attic she pulls his body out onto the roof but he's not breathing so she goes to give him mouth to mouth she gets a mouthful of this hot green vomit but she pushes through she wants to save rob so she finally gets him to breathe and the second she does she turns away from him and throws up everywhere because wouldn't you just yeah
1: I think I would have thrown up already
0: yeah I probably would have too just just the smell I mean from across the room no no (laughs) No. throws up everywhere but Rob's alive and then there is another fade out so the next day the whole cast and crew are called to meeting with Bo again No one understands how this could have happened. Bo is saying that, you know, Rob is in the hospital and that he's okay. He's still kind of in shock, but he's okay. And that he's sure his parents will sue the whole production company for negligence. And of course, they'll win. Uh, The movie is in big danger. His career is in danger. His life is in danger. This movie must be made. Okay, Bo is 100% sure that he's going to do whatever it takes for this movie to be made. If everyone dies in the process. They're
1: <laughs> not going to have anyone to star in the movie.
0: <clears throat> Who cares? Bo figured out. He said he had to fire Ernie, of course, because it's his machine that caused all the problems and almost shut down the production completely. He doesn't mm-hmm. understand it, but, uh, you know, they have to move forward. They have to start thinking about the next scene. Cody is miserable. She's taken 18 showers, but she still smells the vomit. And everyone on the set keeps looking at her like whatever happened was most definitely her fault. (laughs) Also, like, she's kind of a crazy bitch. So it's a mix of that. Yeah. They brought in three new actors to the set to play Cody's mom, Cody's dad, and Cody's little brother. This is the scene where Cody's dad is going to stab himself at the dinner table. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm okay uh and it that
1: whole scene didn't make sense in the first place
0: right they're having roast beef in the first <laughs> book and like dad's arm gets pushed but from nothing from the air and he stabs yeah. himself in the ribs right <laughs> yeah and then for some reason blames callie for it because she was right. walking behind <laughs> his chair so this is the scene they're gonna film and persia tells cody that she she was talking to Bo about an idea that she had of Cody sitting across from Persia in the scene. So instead, she wants Cody to sit next to her and that they should have, like, an argument, some kind of argument about the knife, the carving knife, right before Dad stabs himself. She's like, you know, it sounds a little weird, but Beau liked the idea, and Cody is really feeling like she's bringing everybody down, and she's kind of an amateur, so she's like, I don't get it. But sure, you know, if Persia and Bo think this is a good idea, we'll have a weird random fight about a knife mm-hmm. <laughs> where it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so she she just goes along with it. Great. So they rehearse the scene. They go over the scene again and again, and then they break for the day. Cody be- goes back to her trailer, tries to get some rest. She falls asleep, wishing she were back in L.A. with her parents that she had never come back to the house on 99 Fear Street. And when she wakes up, she realizes she needs to do what she set out to do. She's going to go and look for Callie one more time. So once again, she goes, after hours, on the set, where everyone already expects her (laughs) to go and try to find her dead sister. And of course, just as she gets into it, she starts to hear Callie's voice calling her down into the basement. She just wants to see her sister again. It's really kind of sad. Yeah. But when she gets down in the basement, she realizes Bo has already set up the explosion for the end of the movie. In fact, the crates of explosion of explosives, they've got this like little wire coming out of it, and it's connected to a small box... With a plunger in it. Mm-hmm. And personally, I feel like a person who's going to detonate this many explosives might want to be more than six feet from the box. But whatever. Okay. She looks past the crates of explosives, and she sees there's this, like, narrow doorway in the hall of the basement. She's never remembered knowing that there is a room down there, but all of a sudden there's this little door. So she goes to the door and opens it. And the room behind the door is not much bigger than a closet. There's a single Mm -hmm. bulb hanging from the ceiling. There's a little stool kind of back against the wall. And just then, Callie reveals herself to Cody. Cody's overwhelmed with emotion. She starts crying. She's so happy to see her sister again. Cody says she's waited for so long for this and kelly's like yeah me too and then kelly turns into this mist which covers cody cody starts screaming and guess what there's another fade out we're very cinematic in this book we keep fading in and out everything is a movie everything's a movie so this is a fade out (laughs) The next day, we are on set, and we are about to shoot the dinner table scene with the rest of the actors. So we're going through the actors' lines. We're making sure everyone knows what they need to do. Cody asks Persia what she's talking about with this little knife fight thing that the girls are supposed to have in the scene. And Uh Persia just explains that, you know, the two sisters should both grab for the knife and kind of fight over it when their dad asks for them to pass it to him. You know, just a little tiff to show how much they dislike right. each other. And Bo and Cody say that they don't understand, but Bo wants to see it. He wants to rehearse it and see what she's talking about. So he calls action, and the dad asks for someone to pass him the knife, and the two girls grab at the same time for the knife. Cody gets the knife first. She brings the knife straight up and straight back down into the back of Persia's hand pinning Persia's hand to the table Ugh. Cody jumps up and yells that it's not her fault that someone must have switched the knives and that it shouldn't be a knife like that it shouldn't be a real knife and Persia is screaming she's screaming at everyone she's screaming at Cody that she's an idiot and for someone to call 911 Cody starts to back away from the table but Bo catches her and confronts her He says there's been too many accidents, that he's tried to be understanding, but that she's obviously dangerous and that he's going to have to ask her to leave this film. She's fired. Cody says she's not fired. And she grabs Bo around the neck and picks up a large spotlight and holds it onto his face until he starts to sizzle and scream. She drops his body to the floor yeah, and then exactly. claps and says to everyone cheerfully,
1: that's a wrap. Oh, my God. This escalated very quickly. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like, whoop, there we go. <laughs> I didn't even, couldn't even keep up. <laughs> I feel like. Buckle up. It's going to get weirder. Okay okay they're really trying to end this one they're like okay guys throw it all in there
0: yes yes we are (laughs) we are all in we are gonna we are gonna wrap this up we're three books deep it's time um but we're finally gonna get an answer to what the fuck mr hankers has been doing in the basement this whole time Okay. okay because as you might have guessed that's not cody Uh, callie has taken cody's place the whole time cody is actually tied up in that small room in the basement she's bound and gagged and she can hear the rats scratching through the walls cody I know how you feel it's gonna be okay you need some dryer (laughs) sheets
1: this is a very timely book for you
0: yes cody get some dryer sheets Somehow she gets the, the gag off her face. And she notices that there's like a little hole in the door jam that's looking out into the basement. Her eyes start to adjust and she can hear some some like talking and some some kind of murmuring. So she gets down on all fours. She looks through the crack and she can see into the basement there's a little bit of light on. She's hearing scratching and screeching and she can see that in the basement there are rats everywhere. Doesn't she remember the rats from living there? She does. But now she's like, there's not any in the room with her, but she's looking out through this crack and the floor is just alive with rats. Okay. And then she hears a voice talking to the rats. Oh. (laughs) She adjusts her position so she can look higher through the crack and she sees Mrs. Nordstrom Mr. Hankers and Mr. Lori all sitting on small stools in the basement all speaking and watching and feeding the rats. Oh They're having a conversation. Mrs. Nordstrom has even trained some of the rats to sit on their hind legs and nibble the flesh from her fingers
1: Oh,
0: they're all laughing together about how Callie was such a nice girl until they got a hold of her and about how Callie is also stupid because she thinks she's doing her own will and she thinks she's having her own revenge when they have really controlled her since the moment she died Cody can't believe what she's hearing Callie isn't evil, Callie is under the control of these three people, or dead people, or zombies, or whatever they are. And just as she has this epiphany, Callie appears before her in the small room. And she says sorry, she's so sorry. Cody tells Callie not to kill her, she doesn't have to kill her, she has her own will, she doesn't have to listen to these three... And instead she leads Cody directly to these three ghosts or whatever they are, Mr. Lori, Mr. Hankers and Mrs. Nordstrom. And they tell Callie she's done a good job and that they'll take care of Cody from here. But instead Callie tells Cody to run. Callie says she'll protect Cody from the three ghosts, but she needs to run and get out of this house. Callie is ready to end it all. And that's when the three ghosts
1: transformed into rats and fly at Cody. They turned into rats like in the witches? Like they turned Uh into rats? Yeah, like the nasty witches at the end. Yep.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yep. Yep. They turn into rats and they launch themselves at Cody, but Callie starts kicking the rats so Cody could get away. How do you pull that when you're not corporeal and neither are they? But okay, cool. Go ahead and get out, Cody. It's time to go. So Cody hauls ass. She's done. She takes one look over her shoulder, but she's all done. She's about halfway across the lawn when the force from the explosion blows her to the ground. And then we get a time jump. It know. is now three weeks later in Los Angeles. Cody and Rob are dating, and they have been since the end of the movie shoot. The police keep asking Cody what happened, and everyone tells the police a different story. So eventually, the police just drop all the charges because they don't know what the hell's going on. They don't have enough to charge her or anyone else for the explosion that happened at the house, although kind of the director probably has a paper trail of buying explosives, but whatever. Yeah. And it would have been nice to have him get something in the end because he was kind of a shit, but again. So Rob and Cody have ordered pizza and the doorbell rings. Cody goes to get it and comes back with a brown envelope. And inside is a tape, a VHS tape with a note on it saying that it was the only movie that was ever made at 99 Fear Street. It was sent to them from the guy who lost his hand in the disposal accident. I guess someone was filming exteriors when the house blew up, and they caught some film of the fire. They put in the tape, and they can see, in the flames, there's a girl, standing
1: and waiting.
0: In the flames of the house, as it okay. burns down from the explosion, there's a girl standing and waving. Cody announces that it's Callie, saying goodbye. And that's how it ends.
1: What? That just went like bananas.
0: I seriously feel like he was like, oh shit, that's tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: And then he got himself a bottle of Jim Beam and was like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Let's let's end this trilogy.
1: Seriously.
0: I don't understand why they turned into single rats.
1: No, I mean, were they always rats? Like, were they rat people? Like, that's why they came... There I would have all the liked it much better and- if they
0: exploded into rats.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like a number of rats. Like remember um on the Coppola Dracula when he like mm-hmm. opens his arms and then like falls to the- like it could have been like that. That would have made a little more sense to me because then that was like okay, they're part of the evil of the house, the rats, mm-hmm, you know, maybe mm-hmm. the rats could like form whatever evil I don't know. And, I, and my question is: So, like, if these three ghosts are controlling the people that died in the house, how come they yeah. let the brother
1: get away? That too. There's so many unanswered questions. Everything is just kind of nonsense.
0: I do remember uh, <laughs> the only part of re. I remember reading this as a kid. And the only uh-huh. part I can remember reading is that goo scene when they were swimming in the vomit.
1: That was a good scene. I enjoyed I that, that too. part. Yeah. But I did not like the rats. That made no sense to me.
0: Okay. So of the three books, which one is the best?
1: The first one. Agree. For sure. Agree. Yeah. They just yeah. kind of go downhill like most sequels do.
0: <laughs> do you feel like the first one could have just been a standalone?
1: I think so. Or, like, what's the time jump between these? Like, do you know when he wrote them? Two like, years. What the, two years. He so could have waited longer. it's pretty much
0: continuous.
1: I feel like he could have done that one and then waited a longer time to, like, ruminate on a better story.
0: Or maybe make it generational where it's, like, maybe
1: it's Cody's yeah. children. Yeah, something. Because they were just kind of met. Like, they were bad. I mean, the second one was just kind of like, oh, okay. I figured it out, like, right away. But, like, this one was just, I mean, the yeah, like you said, it's tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's the rats. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sometimes I feel like, and I know that he's written novels and things like that for adults. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes wonder, like, what he could have done if he wasn't restrained by, like, the num- the page count. Because yeah, he could- true. Because you couldn't make these too long.
1: No. Because what's the average page count on those?
0: About 160
1: is where it tops out. Okay. Yeah. I think the longest like one we read was um,
0: Blind Date. That was mm-hmm. at, like, 200 and some, but that, oh, wow. n- never above that.
1: Yeah, I've never gone over, like, 130 for Goosebumps. So.
0: Well, I don't think that that was super common. Like we didn't,
1: Mm-mm.
0: I mean, you think about uh, like the first Twilight book, that's 300 some pages,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know,
0: and then, and then they get longer from there. I feel like Eclipse is maybe 500 pages. Like and they're, oh, they're huge like books.
1: They're, yeah, they're fat, like the last. They're fat, of fat, the chunky
0: books thing. because it's mm-hmm. like she, she takes her time and tells the story. But I feel like well, that's a relatively. But if you new also thing. look at
1: those books; they have massive font.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true.
1: And like, if you double, if you lower your font size, you would have made this book shorter right. and better right. for the rest of us. <laughs> just
0: kidding. I just, just don't remember Twilight a ton of and. longer books from when we were that age.
1: Mm-mm. It was like Harry Potter. was like the first like big long book, and even the first Harry Potter book isn't really that long, but compared to other stuff it was like wow 300 pages it was fat you know
0: yeah because i feel like this one had a lot of potential to be so much better but i felt like it was definitely restricted by the page count because you're right like we we did a really good job of bringing us back and this cool new thing with the movie yeah i like the movie idea i mean i like
1: that i like that in scream too like i know people have problems with the scream sequels i enjoy them whatever but I think that's a cool thing to do. Like, cause that would happen. You would have a murder and they make a movie about it. Like that would totally happen. It's very plausible.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wanted to, I definitely liked it better than the second one. And the first one is definitely the best. I agree. But yeah, I feel like I wish he had had more time. Cause after that green goose scene, we just jumped off
1: a cliff. Right. It was like, we were going at a respectable speed. And then it was like. <laughs> yes. Just but overall,
0: end. I enjoyed it. It was kind of fun to do a set. I am excited to move on, though. Um, change it up yeah. a little bit. Get some new characters in here. Um, see what happens.
1: Moving on. Okay. So, well, that was fun. I'm looking forward to Christy getting us into a new story. No more sequels. I think we're going to No more for a while. Break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And When you're listening to this episode, it will officially be Christmas. I'm just kidding. It's only going to be November. But if you're feeling the holiday spirit, which everyone on social media apparently is, I've seen trees. I've seen presents. I've seen everything. No, that's bullshit. We took took Halloween (laughs) down, but we fully celebrate the turkey for a month. (laughs) So whatever feeling holiday spirit you're feeling, whether it's a turkey spirit or a Christmas spirit or a Hanukkah spirit or you're a Grinch and you feel no spirit, we would still really like reviews. And we could use some new ones, five stars only, and mm-hmm. you can leave a review wherever you listen to us. Or even on our Facebook page if you can't figure out how to do it on your listening platform. So literally anywhere. You can leave a comment under a post that just says, you're great. And put five stars in emojis. That counts.
0: (laughs) Well, next week, uh, Danielle is going to treat us to another Goop's Bumps tale. Uh, Our request from our patron was say cheese and die. And that is, it's coming, but it's in transit. We had to order it. Um, so next week we'll be doing the Haunted Mask 2 because it will be our anniversary episode. Our one mm-hmm. year anniversary.
1: Crazy. <sighs> Crazy.
0: So it's going to be fun.
1: Come back and see us. But until next time, we are out. Like whoever loses the election. We hope.
0: <laughs> Christ on Christ. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>